0: Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast, where today we look at five RPGs you can play in between games of your main campaign. Welcome to another episode of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast. I'm Brian Ennis. I'm Aaron Vinsky. And there's no one else. No. No. So you should have said, "And I'm Aaron Ravinsky." Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's not a list. The comma is not required. Oh well. <laughs> you normally go second, though, so I can I can see why it would have just, you just know, natural confused comma. You. Yeah, mm. we're here in my oven. <laughs> it's not as hot as it has been, but it's still fairly warm. Yeah. Um, it. So if we uh, if we. To trail off into silence, it's because we've passed out into sweaty heaps upon the floor. (laughs) Uh, But enough about us. How are you? Uh, Today we're going to be talking about RPG games again. Yep. Tabletop role-playing games for the uninitiated. And we're going to continue with our RPG basic series. So far we've talked to you about creating interesting characters, then binding them together into coherent parties. Uh, using egg wash and breadcrumbs <laughs> um, and we also had uh, a bit of a chat about GM tips for beginners so actually the running the game side of things whips now, massive whips yeah now what are the suggestions we made for beginning DMs or GMs or storytellers or big cheeses grand poo bars, um story story people in chief fun coordinators Ooh, fun coordinators, fun co-ordinators. co-ordinators. Yeah. yes um <laughs> Was rather than diving in with a giant campaign, uh, game after game, set in the same world with the same characters, using the same rules, was actually to try maybe running a one-off session. Yeah. Uh, And just kind of dipping your toes in, playing something new, playing something different maybe, or playing in something that you already know, but without that burden of trying to think four sessions ahead for what's going on. And then we carried on talking about this after the podcast and we thought actually it's fairly common for people to in between games of their big campaigns or between story arcs or between one campaign and another Mm. to play other things yeah
1: definitely Um,
0: you you can get tired yes of
1: of a system of Mm. characters you're playing I mean I've definitely played in Mutants and I love the game I love the system but I've had characters who I've liked when I started playing them got through and went I need to be more of a horrible human being or a mutant in mutant's case yes. yep. rather than trying to be pleasant and cohesive. I need something to bounce it out with.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it's nice to I I, I like Game of Thrones. Yeah. But would I want to only watch Game of Thrones forever? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um I like I like playing games. Would I would I want to play the same board game every single week? Some people do, and yes. that's fine, you know. Because that's what they enjoy. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. But It's really nice to be able to take a break from that main campaign and try something different, try something quirky. Um, I know a lot of role players are quite creative and they might come up with some really interesting character ideas, Mm. but when you're 16 levels deep into a four-year-long Pathfinder campaign, there's not a lot of opportunity to just go, oh, I want to be someone else. It doesn't really work. (laughs) So it's really good to be able to play some different things from time to time and it's a really good outlet for giving the DM a break Yes. Or, for, as we said, letting a new DM have a go without having to secure, you know, months of game time to, uh, to do so. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, The Quiet Year, mm-hmm. Fiasco, Paranoia, Goblin Quest and The Sprawl. Ooh. So there are five, uh, five games. They are not, by any stretch of the imagination, the only five games that you could play. Oh, no. In between. No. Um, You could... I mean, we have broken up a Pathfinder campaign with one-off sessions or two or three little gaming sessions linked, but a sort of one-off adventure of Pathfinder. Yeah. When we used to play lots of Pathfinder.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that that can work sometimes, especially when you've got a complicated system like Pathfinder. You can still keep your... Mm. gaming head into the system yeah. but allow you to play with that round of the other ideas like yeah. you said that you've had
0: if you're playing something like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder quite often what i found is that people get like, new source book syndrome yeah, that sounds official, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what we'll call it. New source book syndrome. So where a new book has been released and one of your players has run off and gone, ah, oh, I love Toothlings and this is the ultimate Tooth Because <laughs> that's the voice they use, these people that like Toothlings. <laughs> uh, um, and they have, um, you know, they've got it and they want to go, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to, can my character now be a Toothling? I want to change everything. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, trying to crowbar these things in doesn't really work work. That's what the polymorph spells there for, isn't it? Poss- possibly, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if your racial feats would be updated. Heading into proper Pathfinder nerdistry now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, probably a little bit deeper than you've ever been before. <laughs> Aaron. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things I found is sometimes players halfway through a campaign will want to change their character or yeah. want to do something, and actually going, well, why don't we? Why don't we do a tiefling? session where you play a band of tieflings that are a touring minstrel group <laughs> and you travel from town to town and no one ever lets you settle and you use magic in order to enhance your shows because you've all got demon magic yeah. but but something bad's gonna happen and you're gonna get involved in something <laughs> And then it's going to be done. It would be like a film rather than a long-form TV show. Yeah. I want to run that game now. Yeah, I'll like the Tory minstrel group of yeah, things yeah. <coughs> that might not. It's just a costume, mate. These aren't real horns. Cough. Ah, <laughs> oh, I want to play it. Um, yeah. So you know, you might you might find as a DM that you you have ideas that don't fit your main campaign. Yeah. Or you might find um, you know as a player that. What you're into at this moment isn't what you were into when you started playing the campaign. So, for instance, we've gotten into a big sort of cyberpunk kick recently. Yes,
1: yeah, a lot of those sort of games. But that came about because we'd gotten kind of tired of the fantasy side of things, yes. I think.
0: Yeah, we played a lot of... Well, we played a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff. Yeah, as well. Which was kind of a reaction. We went into sci-fi from playing fantasy and now into a different type of sci-fi. And I'm sure in six months' time we'll be going, I want to swing a broadsword again. Yeah. A browed sound. Um, <laughs> it's been a while since I've swung a browed sound. <coughs> so, yeah, it'd be quite cool to, mm. to maybe try something and mix up the tone, etc, um, etc. Et Any other reasons why people might want to... Mix it up, mix it up, change it. Um, I mean, tired of the systems
1: themselves.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. I mean,
1: Pathfinder itself can be wonderful for pure role-playing at times, but it's very system-heavy. It's crunchy as yes.
0: unprocessed peanut butter. Yes. Which um, is just peanuts, actually, now I think about <laughs> that. that's yes. uh,
1: That simile a little bit more. Peanuts with some butter smeared on top.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> um. Palm oil. Bloody yes. palm oil farms from third world countries. Mmm, <laughs> politics.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you get you get tired of your uh,
0: mass-produced mm. third world destroying yeah. uh, palm oil Pathfinder yeah. campaign. i found out uh, when we've been playing a lot of Pathfinder and it's been quite, especially when it's been quite combat heavy yeah. or at the higher end of it where you're sort of level <clears> 16 <throat> and a combat takes all night, yeah. there's a bit of my brain that, that thirsts for more pure storytelling. Yes. And sometimes when we've been playing a lot of... of um, system light games, my brain's been like, I want to do some tactics. Yes, you know, I want to, I want to crunch some numbers and roll a huge handful of dice. Yeah. so you know, you kind of you bounce bounce around. Yeah, because um,
1: nothing is perfect. No system yeah, fits that criteria at all times. And like you said, you, mm. your whims and changes, because these things last months at times. Yeah. And you're going to get your attitudes change. Players are going to disappear. It's probably another one of them.
0: Yeah, if um, we, we've been playing um, the Sprawl when other people haven't been able to make our main game of uh, Gen Lab Alpha. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yes, Aaron. <laughs> um, which has been fine. The last couple of months have been a tricky time for we've got people at university. Yeah. Um, we've yep. had... People working quite heavily. There's been all sorts of problems. So we've, we've used these other games as kind of a way of doing some different bits and pieces as well. Yeah. So, lots of reasons there to uh, to have a go at this and to, to mix things up. Yeah. Shall we start with The Quiet Year? Yes, I so think the, we should. The Quiet Year is available online. Yep. I think it's a, a pay-for-a-download game. It's quite small. Uh, it's probably only about 30-odd pages in the book. Yeah. Uh, it's by Avery Older. Uh, published by Buried Without Ceremony. Quite, I like that. I love that name. It's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, it's a yeah. good name. Um, have it on your head, headstone. Yeah. Aaron, we played this we ooh, about six months ago? Yeah, yeah, about that. Tell the lovely people at home what it is. Okay,
1: it is essentially a cartography RPG. Oh, that's a, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, And it's something you don't use very often. You use maps loads in RPGs, but this one makes you design it um, from scratch. Yes. So you don't play individuals as such in the quiet year. You play a community of survivors of some form. And um, you are essentially trying to get your community from the start of a a good year. You've just got over a major disaster. Things are looking okay, but you know the frost...
0: Not the frost, the frost jo- giant. i think it's the ice giants with the frost there's some yeah. giants they seem frosty
1: yeah um are, are coming in the winter at some point so you're yeah. trying to get everything as nice as possible before that happens ideally yeah um so you'll sit around a table with a blank piece of paper and everybody draws an element of feature for the map yeah Could be a group of trees a, a, a high-rise building a burnt out car wreck um, but no words, all pictures it's All pictures. everything yeah. is pictographic you um, have one resource, and it doesn't have to be something like water or iron or anything like that, it could be happiness or yes. anything you like um, um, is in abundance, so one of those resources is really there, and the other elements that you've picked on the
0: map are scarce Yeah. so you're struggling for those things Yeah. so <coughs> we've got plenty of burnt out cars yeah. but uh, not a lot of mountains no Rocks, no. stone. <laughs> um, and then each player takes a turn
1: uh, drawing a card from a deck of, deck of cards yeah. that represents a week within each season. Yeah. Um, and you develop your community and story of how your community is existing
0: yeah. from this. Yeah, most of the cards will give you a choice of some kind. Yes. They might invite you to add something to the map. Yep. Yeah. They might invite you to expand on something else that's happened and to to say what the community does in response to what's going on. Yes. So, yeah, so you you kind of you take turns um, role playing as the uh, as the community. There's ways of sort of having meetings within the community. Yeah. So you might decide, actually, we need water. That's a scarce resource. So we'll, someone will call a meeting, there'll be a vote, and then you'll have sort of layout these little story elements. Yeah. It's not highly formalised. There aren't, apart from sort of the table for the cards that you draw, yeah. the rules are fairly slim. It's, yes. It's a very few yeah. few pages.
1: Which works really well once you wrap your head around it, I think. It yeah. just take a little bit to get used to because it's so pure storytelling. Yeah. Um... But it does allow you to craft either a community for a roleplay system you want to play later on, yeah, yeah. or just a story um, in between campaigns, yeah. in whatever way you as a group want it to work. Yeah. You don't have to do everything horribly awful like you would do in a normal roleplaying campaign of some form, because yeah, you, can- you know, conflict tends to drive <laughs> interest normally. You could
0: yeah. have a year of
1: absolute loveliness. Mm.
0: Yeah there's still conflict and choices to be made. Yeah. It did it did ask us when we played it to make some interesting choices. Yes. Uh, about what uh, what might happen and what was going on.
1: Yeah, do we do we rescue a group of survivors I think we found at one point which is based on the stuff we developed. Yeah. And uh, we had some survivors sort up who we were being chased by another group that we'd had run, run ins with did we rescue them and add them to our community even though we yeah. were struggling for resources. Or use them as bait for the other group. Yeah, essentially.
0: And what we found is that we had sort of personalities of certain characters. No one was playing a character, but certain people were doing certain things. And yes, someone else might hook onto something that you made as quite a throwaway reference. Um, I think I had the survivors turn up, and they were talking about they were running from the faceless ones. Yes, because I thought that'd be cool. Yeah. So we were like, you know, we discussed. I was like, yeah, what, these people turn up. Um, they're, they're all sort of emaciated and dirty and filthy. Lots of them are injured and they uh, all burnt. They're all burnt. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, we're running. What happened? What happened? People people asked them. Oh, the faceless ones came. They came out of the sea. Yeah. I didn't know what the faceless ones were. No. I didn't know what was going on. In this. But later on, it kind of went around the table a couple of times. And then someone else was like, well, we sent that scouting party out. And they found some faceless ones. Dead. And something had killed them. We were like, but the faceless ones are scary. <laughs> yeah. What could kill them? You know, it all took on a, a life of uh, a life of its own. Yeah. One of the things I really like is, I mean, ours was kind of... Was it was kind of medieval with some weird bits of technology that we found every now and then. Yeah. I don't know if some of us were <coughs> thinking slightly differently about the setting, but it all kind of blended in together. It had a science, science fantasy, era yes. kind of feel to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. But you could, you could, before you start, go, we're going to do one that's set 100 years in the future. We're going to set it in roughly this kind of world, that kind of world. You could do it as a cyberpunk thing. Yeah. We'd do it in an arcology. Yeah. Um, yeah that's broken, one. for instance. <coughs> Hence the scarcity of resources. Yeah. you could tailor it to fit lots and lots of different things. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it a second ago. This idea of going actually at the end of the game because it only takes what took us about three hours to go through it yeah. to do the whole thing. It's it's designed for play in a single yes. single evening. Yeah. By the time we finished it, we had a map and we had lots of story threads. And yeah. We had lots of ideas. We didn't resolve every plot thread. No. So there was like, there's a bit of me that was like, this could make a really cool RPG saying. We've got a map. Yeah. It's a bit of a crazy map because everyone's drawn on it and some of the stuff's one way up and some of the stuff's the other way up. Yeah, like, yeah. But you've got a rough map that you could play with and you've got this community and you've got a shared history. Yes. Any characters you play, if you then ported this into your Pathfinder game, your character, you'll all know what happened in the last year. Yeah. You'll all know that there was that girl that. Thought that she was uh, a reincarnation of a god or whatever it was that happened. Oh yeah. And you can decide how your character reacted. If like half the you know, if there's five of you playing and three people voted exile her and two of people voted make her our queen and she got exiled. Well, which side was your character on during that? Yeah. And suddenly you've got this shared background and this shared history that you have created together. Yeah. So I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. It yeah. was weird for the first, the first go round the table. It was really strange.
1: Yes, yeah, um, it's, it uh,
0: definitely takes some
1: adjusting yeah. too.
0: And luckily, we had Jamie with us who yeah. had played it before. Yeah, and he uh, he. Kind of guided us a little bit through the beginning, but once we'd gone around, all had a go, yeah, it made sense and it was, uh, yeah, it was easy. It won an award for the most innovative RPG of 2013.
1: Yeah, oh, I can see why actually, because yeah, you know, it's definitely much so much different to what I've played in a lot of, these. yes, yeah. It does, I don't know if we've, we've said this before on the podcast, but I, I always see RPGs as this kind of you're sitting around telling a campfire tale of, mm. of some kind, and this
0: really simulates that, yeah. Tale. Um, a, a, it is a proper community story you're making. Yeah. And, and it encourages you, you know, if it's my go and I'm saying what's happening, happening, there's nothing wrong with Aaron joining in and going, what about this or what about that? Yeah. And when it's your go, you've kind of got control, but you can, you know, you're still collaborating each and every time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a thing where you switch off until it's your go.
1: No, no. And um, it's, it's no winners losers type thing. So if somebody suggests something, it's like, oh, is that interesting or not? Rather than that ruins my
0: thing. Yes Yeah Yeah, I mean We did have elements Where certain people Got invested in their own They they started a story And no one else picked it up And so they wanted to carry it on Yeah But actually the best bits Were where people were Playing with each other's ideas Yeah Or linking Like I don't know If um, Aaron and Jamie Had come up with separate ideas I could go How could I join those together Yeah And you try to You know you're you're trying to be creative it's in a slightly different way yeah. to how you would go what would my character do yeah because yeah you're you're role playing the community but you're also kind of just creating a story yeah so you're thinking of it in that what would make an interesting story kind yeah. of way so i really enjoyed that yeah i did um, it's available online we'll pop a link somewhere to yes. it so that you can you can click across if that sounds uh, good excellent right our next game then which is a game we've actually played on the podcast before. We have indeed. Uh, we'll pop a, a link on YouTube up in the top right-hand corner. We'll pop a link elsewhere below. To Fiasco by Bully Pulpit Games. Mm. Now, Fiasco is one of my favourite role-playing games.
1: Yeah, I really enjoy I've enjoyed Fiasco every time we've played it.
0: I do know, however, that it's not everyone's cup of tea. We've got a couple of players within our sort of gaming group, our yes. wider gaming circle, that aren't keen on it. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of explain a little bit of it, of, of why that might be, so you can make a judgment for yourselves. Yeah. But if, if you've only played a, an evening and decided it's not for you, you've not lost a lot, I think. No.
1: No, yeah. It's
0: not like buying 90 quid's worth of D&D books (laughs) and then going, oh, this is rubbish, after the first game. Yeah. Because then you're down 90 quid. Yeah. Uh, The game itself is about £15. Yeah, which is nothing. So, how does fiasco work then? Okay, you...
1: You have a collection of dice. Yep. Some white, some black, which you roll and leave in the middle of the table. Yep. Um, And then you have a little book. And you will go through each section of your campaign design from the book so you will decide on a story setting so is it going to be a western, is it going to be set in the Antarctic um, is it going to be a bank robbery, I think are some of some of the ones you've got um, and then you use the dice to decide on elements for bits of the story so you want to create
0: another fable you wanted to no.
1: Uh, right, let's go for the Boomtown one because this is the one we we did on the on the, on the podcast. Um, yeah. So yeah,
0: so you've got um, you can make your own set of tables. Yeah. Or there are lots and lots of them that you can pick up. There's loads on their website. There's some in the book and there's some in the Fiasco Companion yes. as well. Uh, so I mean we've we've played this three times. Yeah. And we're we're nowhere near. Running out of, of ideas and oh uh, and tables and such like. No,
1: yeah, um, and it's easier to replay the ones you've done before. And do you have something
0: completely different? For yes. Us? Yeah, yeah. So we played Boomtown from the main book, which is set in the Wild West. Yes. And we you establish characters. Yeah. Well, you you establish relationships between your characters by yep. using these dice. So it's semi-randomised, but you get to pick the dice. Yeah. So some of them you'll be able to go. Oh, I definitely want my Naren's character to be family. Yeah. So and you'll take a, a, a number one. Yeah. <clears throat> write on a card, put it between you that says family. Yeah. And then someone else will define a different relationship. Yeah. You don't just have to define your own relationships. No, this is where the fun comes in. <laughs> so you can go. Um, I don't know if you've got a brother and sister around the table, you might say, I think your characters are lovers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I thought that'd be funny. It was funny. Everybody else. <laughs> yes. Incredibly awkward, awkward, awkward for us. But yeah, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can, you can play And what you do, you start, you build this kind of, this network of relationships between your characters within the established kind of setting. Yeah. Uh, that you are, are using. um, so it starts with character creation a bit like a normal RPG. Yeah. Uh, you then establish needs between their relationships. So their motivations, essentially, for what they're doing.
1: Yeah. And again, these are generally... There's this normally some kind of connection with them. You're trying to make them linked to other characters or people, people on the table. Yeah. Um, so you want to get out of town before everybody finds out about you. You might also define that it's more than the other people yeah. on the
0: table knows who you actually are yeah you might define a relationship with a location yep so we had a Chinese laundry didn't we yes which was uh, very cliche yeah, yeah. of us um, and there's also items important items so objects yes and you can vary this depending on the number of players now what I quite like about this is when you've got a larger group so four or five of you not every character will know every other character no your relationship to divine to the pi- um, defined to the people to your left and right. If there's three of you, like there was when we played this uh, for the podcast, everybody hadn't had a relationship, yeah, and that got quite complex, quite yes. quickly. It throws you in. So once you've uh, once you've done done that, you you play a scene. Every character takes a turn to define a scene. So they might say, "My character is here." Doing this, yeah, and then you role play it. Someone other people might play their characters if their characters are there. They might play NPCs. Um, we had a really good one involving. What's the first one we played? Um, was it the Arctic one we played no, first? We no, it was the,
1: the suburban.
0: Yes, we we, we played one uh, one campaign where it was um, suburban people trying to get rich off a golf course. Yes, uh, redevelopment. Yeah, um, so it was. Oh, I'm trying to think. So there was a film with Matthew Perry in, I think. The whole nine yards. The whole nine yards. The whole yeah. nine yards. Um, desperate Housewives. Yes. Where yeah. terrible things happen to very bored people in the suburbs. We had that kind of feel too. Yeah. Yeah. So we had that. That was what, what was going on. And um, we had some mobsters yeah. that turned up that as part of one of the characters' background. And Colin just played one of the mobsters in one scene and did such a great job of it that we were like, the mobsters here, Colin, you need to be the mobster again. And, yeah. you know, it, so people almost ended up with <laughs> other characters. Yeah. Now, if you define your scene, the other players get to choose whether it's a good result for you. Yeah. And you get a one dice of one colour, maybe the white. Point. Yeah. And then, if it or, or if it ends badly for your character, then yep. it gets black. Now, there's only a finite pool of dice. Yes. What you could do instead, if you want to decide you want a good result for your character... You might let the other characters define the scene. Yeah. But they might put you in a situation where actually you don't want it to happen in a certain way. Yeah. Or you'd be like, I don't, my chari- I didn't want my character to go and do this. Now my character's in trouble now. Yeah. What have they done this for? Yeah. So there's a nice kind of balance between how, you know, dif- defining things for yourself and trying to push the story in the direction you want and sort of getting your character to do what they want. Yeah. But then it might end badly for them. Yeah. If the therefore players are feeling mean, yeah, or surrendering a bit of control, and then therefore being able to pick and choose, but then canny players can get you to make those choices really hard. Yes. For
1: you. Yeah. Now, ultimately, what you're trying to do towards the end of the game is collect have a collection of dice. Yeah. Ideally, of one colour. Yes. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Yeah. because you'll be using those dice to roll on tables
0: yeah you roll them all together the the good dice are positive the black dice are negative a high positive or a very low positive result are actually good for you yeah so you might be the kind of character where everything goes horribly wrong but they come out at the end smelling of roses yeah or you might be the kind of character that's really nice and does it but if you're kind of morally grey you're probably going to get screwed yes uh, in some fashion now the game mixes the up, up its systems halfway through. It has a, a tilt where you roll on on a table and bad things occur. Yeah. And everything sort of escalates. Yeah. And then it messes with the, the system of, of how and where you choose what's going on as well. It kind of mixes things up. The game, to me, where it really shines is if everyone gets on the same page and realises that... You're not there to be maybe super competitive. Yes. You're there to tell a really good story. Yeah. Because people could try and dominate the game and try and make everything perfect for their character. Yeah. To win in in, bra- in quotes, yeah, um, which is something I was a little bit guilty of the first time I, I played this because yeah. I was in that kind of that mode. But yeah. it's not cooperative. Actually, the most fun I've had with it is where my character gets their just desserts because you can act like a terrible person, yeah, um, and then you go, oh, I died horribly. Yeah, well, that's good, isn't it? because yeah. <laughs> I was I was horrible. Um, I've been watching a lot of Fargo, the TV show. Yeah, Fargo, the TV show, and Fargo, the film. Feels like a game of fiasco, and it's one of the things that's name-checked within the game. Yeah, where it has terrible decisions that uh, come back to haunt people. Yes, and people being greedy and vain and selfish, and doing all sorts of terrible things. Uh, and it's it's great. That's why it's called fiasco. The idea is to have one of those those kind of those caper films. Yeah, or those. Dark comedy re- works really, really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's. I mean, well, that was pretty much what our uh, podcast playthrough went for. It was, it
0: was dark. very dark, but it yeah. was quite funny. Yeah, and very silly. There's lots of dynamite at one point. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Wild West. There had to be some dynamite. Yeah, of course it did. Yeah. Um, Colin's acting in that is amazing.
1: Yeah, actually, his, his yeah.
0: voice, voice, his voice work is is, a, is very good. Yes. Damn Mist- him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his accent is very, very good. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's very interesting. It's different. It's very, again, very story-based. Yeah. So, again, if you're people that that play quite crunchy mechanics, might be something that's quite different for you. Yeah. I think one of the things I felt after playing it was I was more confident as a player and a DM in surrendering control to the rest of the table. Mm-hmm. Because quite often a role play game the dm has got their story and the players react to it and do the thing yeah whereas actually i found that since we've played a few of these kind of games players are chipping in with details to embroider scenes
1: yeah actually players are adding yeah. more
0: detail to what's going on they're making more suggestions around the table it's kind of freed us from that kind of one person has to do everything yeah oh, dm yeah. players nothing meets yeah um, you know they're very separate to so kind of blurring the edges, which I really like because it it means everyone's got more buy into the game yeah definitely. so it was a, a nice way of getting that into what we were doing, yeah
1: now, as we said, we have had players who haven't enjoyed this yes as much
0: it's as... not everyone's cup of tea no um.
1: And what do we think that is? I'm actually
0: having a moment now. I think partly because there's that, that idea of wanting to win the scenario. Because if you're a player yeah. in an RPG, you're still trying to win. You're not necessarily competing with the DM. They've set the problem. Yeah. But you're trying to triumph over adversity. Yeah. It's very hard to win in Fiasco. And as I yeah. said, I've enjoyed it where I haven't. I obviously haven't come out of it the best. Yeah, the same. Uh, My favourite character ended up in a wheelchair paralysed. Yeah. Um... On the veranda looking over the golf course that everyone else was making money out of. And yeah, he wasn't. Um, <laughs> and then he was wheeled back inside by his abusive wife, who happened to be another player. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. all terrible. Um, but we buried people in concrete. Yeah. Uh, we had someone get uh, set on fire. Yeah. At the end. Um, and we've had someone retire to a yacht full of, um, with a briefcase full of money. <laughs> um, as long as the story is good. Yes.
1: That's what, yeah. yeah, it's Generally, not about your individual elements. Mm. It's about the whole whole thing together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I can understand it from players who who want to win something or want their characters to survive because it doesn't always work for the story if your character
0: has a happy yeah. ending
1: or so even or even lives. Yeah, um, but then that's one of the benefits of having these one shot <laughs> campaign things is that you can have characters who
0: die halfway through.
1: Yeah and it not matter mm. well it does matter for the story in fact it,
0: it gives a bit more yeah you still you still play if you die yeah of course you um, do. You but just... you, you, you might set a scene where it's a flashback to your character yeah. and you can start revealing that your character was involved in more than everyone thought and have a scene that shows something that then affects everyone else's story yeah. and you can still mess with people yes um and you can end up with a character that died halfway through that's posthumously recognised and gets, like, an award for bravery. Yeah. And everyone thinks they're amazing. Or the character was all about their family. And although all this bad stuff has happened and the character's died, their family are looked looked after at the yeah. end. So they've still won. Yeah. So you could do all sorts of uh, yeah. things. Or you end up with a dead character that everyone pins it all on. Yeah, yeah. And their their name is Mud and their, their family has to live in a bin. Yeah. But again, typical kind of caper movie. Mm. Thing definitely. Um, really great game. Uh, hopefully, we've done a good job of explaining how it works. Yeah. Um, if you're interested, click the link. Have a have a listen to, to us mm. uh, having a play. It's a two part podcast. Is yes, yeah. Cause it, it took us took, took a few hours to play it. So. It was a whole whole evening. So I think it was about four hours of us. Yeah. Uh, doing various Wild West accents. Yeah. And me desperately, desperately not trying to do a racist Chinese accent. Yeah. Well, well done. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was hard. Moving away from maybe something that that's a bit more in the, the last two cases very freeform mm-hmm. rules light to something that can be quite rules heavy yeah but you don't need to read a rule book as a player and it's actively frowned upon. It's <laughs> uh, the game Paranoia. Mm. Now Paranoia has been a favourite of mine for oh, about twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I first I picked up the um, the second edition of Paranoia. I think it's published. In the mid-80s. I picked it up for a pound at a car boot sale. Mm. Uh, ooh, yeah. Probably would have been about 20 years ago now. Unfortunately, I don't have that copy of the book anymore. Oh. It be probably worth yeah. a bit, maybe. Uh, it's recently been re-released by Mongoose, the Mongoose Publishing. We have recorded a unboxing. Yes. and unboxing. Use your words, Brian. We've recorded an <laughs> unboxing of... The game it it's it's quite odd. It comes in a in a kind of a, a box set with multiple books and some dice and some cards and such like. It's yeah. very different to how it used to be. Um and we'll put that up as soon as possible and paste paste a link. Yep. It's not quite ready because I've been asleep. <laughs> it's me being lazy. Now paranoia, Aaron. Yes. You've not played, have you? I've not, no. So I might dominate That's fine. Um, Squatting upon you. (laughs) Marking you with my
1: scent. (laughs) Which may or may not be a thing in paranoia from what I've heard.
0: (laughs) It it could be, yeah. So, paranoia is set in Alpha Complex at some indeterminate time in the future. Alpha Complex is a huge series of underground bunkers ruled by the computer. Now, the computer is a wise and benevolent overseer or a cruel and dictatorial tyrant, Yeah. depending on the mood and the whim of the DM. (laughs) And the players are troubleshooters. They are average, alpha complex citizens who have been raised up from the food purifying vats uh, or from janitorial duties, uh, been given laser guns, and been tasked with going and solving problems. (laughs) Um, And it is a very, very funny game. It is overtly humorous. A lot of the games we play are quite dark yes I like a dark game I like a bit of horror I like yeah serious themes that make me think about what I did and that kind of thing yeah and for you know difficult moral choices I like in a game yeah, yeah but it's also fun to just shoot your friend in the face yeah a little yeah. bit yeah now it might sound unusual to think oh, I'm going to shoot the other players in the face <laughs> but everyone has a series of clones yay so you have six clones if you die a new clone will be delivered as suits the whim of the dm yeah and your clone is identical unless the whim of the dm decides no actually it's going to be different this yeah. time and your clone your clone is just another version of you that's either wandering around just doing normal stuff <laughs> or is like in a box somewhere it doesn't really matter it's kind of
1: iced <laughs> so he's got the, the, the pen knife out. I just opened the cardboard yeah. box with the it curled up in yeah
0: Yeah. I had one arrive with hyperthermia because I hadn't defrosted it properly once <laughs> that was quite good um, and you're, you're not one of the key things is you don't hold a grudge just because Jeff killed your character yeah you don't just immediately come in and shoot Jeff in the face because yeah. that that version of your clone wouldn't know that that's what happened yes but it's perfectly okay to hold the grudge in real life just just wait yes watch um, so it's very satirical in tone the original game very much satirized the cold war mm-hmm. so you were looking for commies right <laughs> the new version of the game I've now I've now read through is you're now looking for terrorists yeah as is fitting with today's horrors yeah, yeah. and the, the the world is very very hierarchical so you 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 have your um rainbow clearance so you'll start at red clearance yeah and it goes up to orange yellow blue green uh, green blue indigo violet even yeah uh, normal citizens are infrared uh, which is black yeah and the top people the high programmers who can actually program the computer are ultraviolet which is white you're not allowed to go anywhere that is not your colour right or lower yeah so if you're red and you, you're walking down an orange hallway you could be shot cool you might not be, depending on the whim of the GM. Yeah, but um, you've got lots and lots of um, lots and lots of opportunity for slapstick mishaps. Yeah, um, one of the results on the damage chart is smoking boots in the old game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which it just leaves a pile of smoke, smoking boots. It's very slapstick. It's almost cartoonish. Yeah, in its humour you can play it slightly more seriously uh, but it's been really really great just to have a laugh and a joke yeah Um, the most laughter I've ever seen at the gaming table has been playing Paranoia awesome Um, I actually had a a player who who almost couldn't breathe with laughter (laughs) because another character there were zero gravity toothpicks so you pick up a toothpick you twist it and then it floats up, and it's got a little AI in it, so it floats into your your mouth and just picks your teeth for you while you sit there grinning. Oh, cool! Yeah, handy. There was a fight, <clears throat> and guns going off, and things getting thrown. So uh, Colin's character, Colin was playing, he flipped over his over the table full of R and D equipment. Yeah, to duck behind it to take cover. All of the toothpicks, like a hundred of these toothpicks, hit the floor. All got activated, all flew up and flew into his face all at once, and just skewered him like pinhead and killed him instantly. Um, and my uh, my friend, Aidy nearly died <laughs> um, falling off the uh, falling off his chair at about two o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> Colin's not got much w- luck with wood, has he? No, no, he's been he's been killed by chairs. Yeah, twenty four uh, hour Pathfinder. I'm beginning campaign.
1: to understand when he plays rangers. It's always some kind of urban ranger, and never anything that actually exists in a
0: forest. I think he should play a Druid that hates trees yes Okay. <laughs> like concrete druid yes concrete druids would be an amazing 70s prog rock band name yes quick to the time machine <laughs> also to something that teaches us how to play instruments <laughs> yes um, I really like the look of the new set yeah it's not at all what I expected when I ordered it no and you will see my confusion in the unboxing <laughs> but actually it's it's nice it's, it looks it's pretty Yeah. Um, It's nicely put together. And the system is simpler than ever. Uh, And way back in the midst of time, I said, you don't need to know the rules as a player. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Paranoia, the rules are always top secret. So only the DM knows the rules. Yeah, because they're white clearance. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because they are, because you're the computer and the computer knows how things work. Yeah. So it requires a lot of trust in your DM.
1: But it also engenders
0: a massive distrust in them. yes, which is perfect. Yes, it completely suits the paranoia yeah. of the thing. You're not meant to trust <clears throat> anyone and you you're meant to try to portray yourself as a perfectly good happy citizen while trying to desperately be the person that survives. Yeah uh, so there's there's a nice kind of, of tension to it, and it just lets you quite often in role play games players can get a bit tense with each other. Yeah. You can have character tensions. You can have personal tensions that spill into the game. This is fine. Yeah. As long as it doesn't result in, you know, player conflict around the table that ruins the fun for everyone. Yeah. And actually, Paranoia is a really good release valve for that. It sounds... Uh, yeah. Because if Tim's character has been peeing you off in uh, Mutant for the last six weeks shoot his clone in the face with a bazooka yeah it will feel much better
1: (laughs) (laughs) and they'll still get to come back and do something so I can shoot them again
0: theoretically yes yeah Yeah. but they (laughs) might try and shoot you and you can you can you know do some do some bits and pieces yeah Um, one of the things I really liked about the old edition was you rolled your stats randomly and it was like roll a d20 yeah so you could, be, you could just be a dribbling moron for the entire session. Yes. You just had to play it. <laughs> that was quite good. Um, and we have... Um, the, the new version still has it as well. I think they even have... Cards that you give out to the players, different roles within the uh, the troubleshooter team. So you'll have someone who is the leader. Yeah. You might have the happiness and hygiene officer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you might have, say, the security officer. Um, the happiness and hygiene officer is my favourite. yeah, Yeah. I really like the look of that card. Um, I we've had we we still have songs that we we sing to this day which again you'll see us on the unboxing singing the song <laughs> that was something that someone made up on the spur of the moment about 10 years ago yeah. and every time we play paranoia the song the song turns up yeah
1: it's yeah, it's so engendered into, into the role play group even I know the song having never played paranoia yes yeah because yeah, it's come up for a multitude
0: recently yes. whenever anybody has to question the yeah. d- GM mostly yeah. I mean it, it is a game I've probably only played it a d- half a dozen times mm. Because uh, twenty years ago, I didn't really have people to play. Yeah. But I, you know, in the last sort of ten years, probably played it half, half a dozen times. I can remember everything that happened in all of those sessions. Which is, which is what you want. Yeah. And something that's nice, quick, memorable. Yeah. It's not something that you'd want to play every single week. No. Because it would become wearing and taxing too too quickly. Yeah. But. As something that's just, we're going to do something really silly and have a laugh. Yeah. It's a good, almost like a beer and pretzels kind of role play game. Yeah. Another game that we played on the podcast. Yeah. Is Goblin Quest. We played it for Halloween. Because goblins are kind of Halloweeny. Yeah. Uh, And me, Joe and Jamie played a game of Goblin Quest. So, again, find the link. (laughs) Bing. And have a listen. I had a great time playing Goblin Quest. Yeah. Uh, this is Goblin Quest by Grant Howitt. So self-publishing. I kickstarted it. Yeah. A long time ago. The book's very nice, little hardback thing. Oh, lovely. And it's a very, very, very silly game again. Yeah. Having listened to that, it did sound yeah. incredibly silly. <laughs> Where you have a group. It's actually now I think I hadn't put this together. It's very similar to to Paranoia. You have a little tribe of goblins. Yeah. And you play one at a time, and that's assumed to be leading your tribe of goblins. Yeah. But they die horribly and terrible things happen to them. And then another one steps forward. And they all have little miniature variations that you pick at the start of the game. Yeah. Um, so I had one that spoke like Yoda, for instance. That was a <laughs> variation. Uh, ja- I think Jamie had one that had a pumpkin on his head, one that had a cake on his head one that had an apple on his head i don't there was there was some stuffing food different heads i think yeah we had to go questing for a pumpkin i've got myself slightly confused (laughs) we were trying to throw the best halloween party yeah um which because we were goblins and we're stupid throwing the party involved (laughs) placing it inside a catapult so it could be thrown somewhere (laughs) literally um we also fought the bear shark shark bear bear shark yeah. Yep. Um, you listened to this then, Aaron Yes I did, yeah. <laughs> um, did we sound like we were having fun? Yeah, definitely. It's... it's again, it's very simple, it's very freeform. It's based on a series of scenes where your goblins are trying to achieve something. It's DMless, which we didn't really say about Fiasco. All the quiet year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um whereas Paranoia definitely has a, a DM and, yeah. and players. Um, and then you just roll to see what happens. And it's all about working out. What's funny in the moment? What's interesting yeah. in the moment? to your goblins aren't going to succeed every time, and then you just describe what happens. Yeah, and uh, really, really good fun. It's kind of like a mix between fiasco and paranoia, actually. Yeah, with a with a simple, simpler simpler <clears throat> system. Would mm. you fancy having a go, Aaron? Yeah, definitely.
1: I'd love for us to play it again the podcast cause at least at some point, or just play in general. To be honest. Yeah. Because yeah, just just a bit of ad libbing humour for failing miserably which judging by our mutant campaign recently seems to be a thing that is constant for my characters and it would be nice to be some kind of rewarded for
0: that in some way you say that you're the only person who hasn't died in any of the roleplay games that we've played Uh, technically I did what did you you you
1: ran away the rabbit
0: ran ran away yeah Yeah, in, yeah. in in the worst state possible but but buried itself because it's a rabbit yeah so it dug a hole and we, we dug it back out again and I yeah and so we I, I just it. gave it a big monkey cuddle until it went to sleep <laughs> not permanently uh, but till it stopped uh, protesting yeah I really like my giant monkey <laughs> yeah yeah all giant monkeys yeah we've off on a bit of a tangent here but my giant monkey in Gen Lab I'm really really enjoying playing because <laughs> um, he has a sledgehammer He's so the world's just,
1: most brutal, loving monkey.
0: Yeah, he's very <laughs> nice to everyone. But also, I just made him the most direct thing. Yeah. So Colin's playing a character that is definitely mad and everyone humours him. Yeah. And I keep going, why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> we need him to be quiet and you'll you'll choke hold him until he goes to sleep because it's the quickest way to make him go, go be yeah. silent. Yeah. yeah Essentially, just being sort of brute force and, uh, and ignorance, I'm yeah. very much enjoying that. Yeah. Um, which is completely different to the other characters I've played in it, and it's actually the kind of thing that, had I not died... Yeah. It's the kind of thing you can you, do in, in Yeah, it sounds in like these. the sort of
1: thing you definitely engender in Goblin Quest particularly, because yeah. that's how goblins solve things. Yes, it's yeah. You, direct you, in simple way possible. Yeah. Because they can't think of anything complex. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, maybe I think maybe Goblin Quest has, has filtered into my character choices yeah. There. I probably wouldn't have played a character like that until I played Goblin
1: Quest. Yeah. So it's the thing we're finding with a lot of the little one-shotters we're doing. There's there's elements of it that we're pulling out into our main campaign to make them more varied, more complex, to allow people to get more invested in
0: them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which brings us nicely to The Sprawl, mm. which is uh, published by Arden's Ludare. Which is well, spelt how it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is it, this has something amazing in it that I'm going to steal for everything we do. And Ooh. we talked a little bit about this when we talked about Mutant Year Zero, where you build a community together at the beginning. Yeah. The Sprawl is a cyberpunk game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very 80s. Okay. Very, very 80s. The, the book, the b- version of the book I've got is um, white dot matrix text printed on black paper. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, with green bits. Yeah. Like the old BBC yeah. computers. Uh, it, it's just it's just neon and chrome everywhere. It's amazing. Lovely. Um, and the thing that the Sprawl does that I really, really like is it has a session zero. What we've been doing with this is it's designed to be played. You play a mission in a night and the mission is self-contained. Yeah. But. It rewards you coming back to it so it it forms a nice campaign in and of itself Hmm. but it's it's got this kind of kind of thing where it's almost like an episodic tv show so we've been playing this we've played four games of it Hmm. but we can put it away for a month and then come back to it oh that's cool Yeah. yeah so it's it's a nice thing if if you're the kind of group that maybe runs two get two campaigns side by side, I know it's quite common, say, one week to play Pathfinder, the next week to play Traveller and then switch back and forth yeah. or however people <clears> do it. Or if you've got, well, actually, we know the next few months we're going to have three or four sessions where not everyone can make it. Yeah. Cool, we'll do this. The thing it does that I love, I love this so much, I had so much fun, <laughs> is it goes, right, build the world. Cool. So you have cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is a thing. Yeah. It yeah. is set in the sprawl. You decide where your sprawl is. We've got neo Neo London. Cool. Because Neo Tokyo is a thing. We thought Neo London. Yeah, it should be. So Neo London goes from Southampton to Birmingham. It's well, a one opinion. enormous, yeah, uh, gigantic, great big. Uh, it is a, a proper sprawl. Yeah. <clears> I think <throat> there may be a bridge that goes to London, as well as the the channel uh, goes to France. Sorry, as well as the tunnel, but that yeah. may have got blown up can't quite remember at <laughs> this moment in time. Um, and it goes, right, every single player, before before you've made your characters, before you do anything, is name and define a corporation. Ooh, okay. These corporations then serve both as your employers yep. and your antagonists. Oh, very nice, yeah. So um, we went round the table, and we had a couple people who'd not done this kind of thing before, so we let them go last. Yeah. So they could see how everyone was doing. I felt right. quite confident because I'm used to sort of world building yeah. and that kind yeah. of thing. And we defined a corporation each. So we ended up with a Spanish biotechnical company mm-hmm. um, that's all about uh, big uh, big gardens and arcologies and greenhouses and bio, um, biotechnical implants. Yeah. We had an engineering company. That does mechanical things and hover vehicles and drones for drone warfare and tanks. Yeah. We ended up with a combined royal family plus the church. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Who, um, they have the the same CEO, but there is no conflict of interest. Yeah. And to suggest otherwise is treason. (laughs) Um, And they have all the manpower with the church. Yeah, the masses, the people in the slums, but they also have all the weaponry, and lots and lots of money from their arist- aristocratic uh, conventions. And then, because of that, in the cy- in Cyberpunk, you don't have a pistol; you'll have a, um, Luther six three seven. Yeah, yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So. All of all of our um, all of our weapons and such like are named after British aristocratic conventions <laughs> or stately homes. Yeah. So we have like the Sandringham Exo armor suit. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have the Churchill. The Churchill is a, a drum mag repeating shotgun, <laughs> um, and we've got you know we've got all these like you know, harking back to that sort of imperial past and yeah. things like that. So we've got all these kind of things. So That's very th- cool. This was this wasn't what we sat down. This wasn't something that we had to make up. It just came out discussing them round the table. Yeah, um, and we kind of def- ended up defining. Okay, so we know that there's going to be slums. It's cyberpunk. Now mm. we know the slums are full of the church operatives. Yeah. Uh, we had, we've got. The information is controlled by what used to be the British Library. So the British Library is now its own little independent nation state, <laughs> and they have Athenians, so like Greek name for, for libraries, yeah, yeah, um, scattered around where they have faster than light access to information between yeah, their different yeah. different places. Yeah, so. Although it's cyberpunk, everyone's got the internet and mass communication. If you want really good stuff or you want information, that's where you go. Yeah. All these fortresses where there's, um, it's essentially like Fox News on crack because they yeah. control all the information Yeah, um, and such like. And then they have very robotic. Yeah. They're very much heavily into the augmentation as well. So we, we built this ima- amazingly interesting world. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's using the Powered by the Apocalypse system, which is not a system I've ever played before, but I'm going to get some more of their books. We're off to the UK Games Expo in a couple of days. When I browse the RPG section, if I see some of the books using the same system, we will. It's a nice and simple system. You make a move. Cool. You roll some dice. Yeah. You need to get high numbers to succeed. You might add a stat. You might add, if you've got a really good gun, it might give you plus one. Yeah. For instance, it's a 2d6 system, really, really simple. You pick a role. What roles would you expect there to be in a cyberpunk game? Well, you're gonna have a hacker, yeah, hacker is a role,
1: uh, probably some formal driver, mm? um, I'm an investigator, so sort of a PI type thing, yeah. Um, what else are you gonna have? You're gonna have some kind of heavy cybernetic
0: power. killers, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 the killer, yeah, um. Probably some kind of
0: dealer or something. There's a fixer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, what else is missing?
0: Some kind of corporate stooge. Yeah, you can have elements of, of that. Yeah. Everyone starts with cybernetic implants. Cool. Of some kind. so if you're the fixer, you might have secure communications. Yeah. If you're the killer, you might have... The bionic arms and can rip people apart. If yeah. you're a driver, you get to plug into your um, into your vehicle, but you also get something else. Yeah. But you have to determine where you got it from and why. Yeah. They ask you these questions, and they become mechanics within the game. Okay. So it might be cool. I I'm, I'm a killer for the uh, the Church of England, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you've got uh, you've got the bionic arm. Yeah. So why did they give you that? How did you get it? So you could have got it yourself. Yeah. But it's expensive. So the one you've got is defective. So it might go wrong. Yeah. Or it could be that they own you. Yes. They bought it for you. They expect services in return. Yeah. Mm. So you've got... So you've then alcohol. got a lot pressure on, yeah. on you to, to do stuff. <laughs> So it's the kind of game where an entire combat can be determined by a single roll of 2d6. Yeah. Which makes the dice rolls very, very tense. Yeah. And very, very important. It has really interesting systems where you can do... It splits the game into two phases. You have legwork, mm-hmm. where you go and you investigate. So you're like, right, your mission is to kill this corporate CEO. Yeah. So you will go and investigate and try and find out what's going on, get equipment, gather information. Cool, yeah. And you can gather... You can gather gear... You don't go, I'm going to get this thing and this thing and this thing specifically. Yeah. So I'm going to get a gun and a grappling hook and some fancy feety pyjamas. Yeah. <laughs> you go, I've got three gear tokens. Yeah. And you go, right, you're there. And the, the CEO can't, sees you and it starts, uh, it starts speeding off and you go, cool. Well, I thought of this earlier when I was doing my research, Brian. Pull out a gear token, swap it and go, I pull out the bazooka from the briefcase that I've been carrying. Brilliant. Click it. And you Yeah. It allows you to feel like slick cyberpunk professionals. Yeah. Without having to plan for every single contingency. Yeah. And it makes it feel very cinematic because when you're watching a film mm-hmm. Characters go, well, I thought of this, and they pull the thing out. Yeah. You don't have to see them going down the shops and, and, buying, and buying it or talking about, yeah. to someone in an alleyway.
1: This this is how I've seen the fate system working.
0: Yes. You'll have certain
1: bits for that same reason, like for that cinematic <laughs> pose. Yeah. You've got something about your character that's hidden that you reveal at that element. Yeah. So, yeah, you're just setting up. Your character might know it, but you don't because you don't know what the GM's going to throw at you. Yeah, no, I yeah. like that. It makes it a lot better because... You can get stuck in properly in, in some campaign systems with going, right, we're going to be camping out so I'm going to need to go buy a tent. I need a campfire. I found Pathfinder
0: I need- very much like that. Yeah. By the time we hit 15th level at Pathfinder, I had a, a magic... I was playing a cleric so we had, I had a bag of holding.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Rob Holding, the Arsenal footballer. Just his skin. <laughs> 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 um, and I had a magic scroll case that could hold like a million scrolls yeah and i had to track i had like five of every spell in a scroll just in case i needed it i had food for an army plus this wand in case of this and this wand in case of that and this spare bit of armor for that and this magic item for that yeah you know my character sheet was a was you know it's bordering on a a short story rather than a a sheet (laughs) and It would have been much cooler just to be able to go, boom, I pull out my Wand of Cure Light Wounds and and heal him and he doesn't die. Yeah. Um, Every character is different. They all feel like they've got their own kind of niche. And it really encourages you to take control as players yeah to go right it's legwork what are you doing i'm gonna go hit the bar and try to find information about this guy yeah one the best thing about it i keep saying it's the best thing actually yeah, yeah. one of the best things about <laughs> it is each each mission that you play you establish you can establish a connection yeah if you're the fixer you can do it twice Ooh. but you might you might have to go to someone that you've pissed off if you roll badly. Yeah, um, because you know you probably screwed them over or you owe them some money. Yeah, your connections are real people, in the sense that they don't just do what you want. They're not a mechanical thing of I need someone to get me. I need 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 a car. I know a guy who's got a car dealership. Yeah, well,
1: he's not just okay. going to give you a car. Yeah,
0: so you roll you roll roll some dice. You do some stuff. Uh, and in our case, he was like, Yeah, I can I can lend you I can lend you a really nice limo because you want to kidnap this guy, but. I'm having this little problem and i quite like you to to help me out. And this guy, I'm, as a DM, you know, just making stuff up. Yeah. But it says, you can turn it to the, the players and go, right, he's got a problem. What do you, kind of thing do you think he, he would have as a problem? And it, again, it breaks down that barrier slightly. Yeah. Um, as DM, you roll no dice as well, which is quite cool. nice. Yeah. It's quite interesting. You just pose problems and make your own moves when the players roll badly yes so players roll the dice and then the dm reacts if they something goes wrong for oh, them. that's that's quite nice yeah. So, yeah so we had this guy he uh, he had a group of kids that kept vandalizing his dealership and spray painting it and yeah. such like so our killer camped out on the roof until they turned up and then murdered them all <laughs> oh,
1: jesus yes <laughs> yeah
0: cool she initially that's horrible, but... she initially went to, to scare them off but one of them pulled a knife Oh, so she, well. she pulled out an even bigger knife, <laughs> and then one of them ran away as as, as a witness to, to you killing him, shot him in the back of the head. Um, as as is as wanted, cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it. I really want to play it.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, this has ha- happened in, in times when I haven't been out of town. We played particularly in like last month. For yeah, like yeah, a couple of months where I've been missing quite a bit and. Every time I've gone, oh, I would have liked to play too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, well, it's it's the kind of thing I think we might spin into a bit more of a linked campaign. Yeah. Um, It does have a definite end, even if you're playing it over and over again, in that you're trying to accrue enough cred, which is reputation plus money, combined, uh, to retire. Cool. Yeah. But. um, Simple goal. Yeah. And it uses the the system of sort of different threat clocks. So if you annoy a... um, annoy a corporation they're slow moving it takes time yeah but they build up from midday to midnight if they hit midnight you have annoyed them to the point where they want to kill you right doesn't mean that they'll send a squad after you though it might mean be that they hire you to do one last job before they wipe you up wipe you out at the end yeah and it has all the betrayal that you'd expect from sort of noir cyberpunk kind of stuff built in so you get the job you meet the people you roll some dice And you might go, cool, I get to pick three things that happen as I get the job. And you might get some more gear. You might get some more info. Um, You might find out who your employers actually are. Yeah. You might get paid double. You might have negotiated really, really well um, and and got a higher payload. You have to choose that the meeting does not attract attention. Otherwise, someone knows. Right. And as DM, I'm sitting there going, (coughs) cool, pick. And the players are talking amongst themselves, going, "Well, I want to get paid more because I need to pay off this guy for this thing that happened last session." Yeah. And um, people are going, "I oh, we need we need gear. We're going to have to you know murder a bunch of people. We need loads of gear." And then they don't pick that one, and I'm like, "Someone knows." And I advance a clock, and yeah. it's like, "Oh, it's all good, nice."
1: Yeah. So I, they can't see the clocks. I take they've got no idea. They know. I could have got yeah. generated
0: interest, but they can't know exactly how much interest they've gotten from. No. I reveal the clocks you reveal I've been revealing, I think it's what I think it's what it says. Yeah. Um you reveal it at sort of in between sessions or at the end of the session. Yeah. And such like so you go, boom. Yeah. There you go. Um just to let you know this clock is here. Because the players can then start setting themselves their own goals and their own targets as well. They can go, okay, this 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 company really, really dislikes us. We need to do something about that. Yeah. Like we've annoyed this particular person. Let's go deal with them. Or let's go arrange a deal to give them something that we took took from these people and kind of calm them down, get them off our backs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, really, really good fun. But works really, really nicely as something that you can just dot in amongst because... Each mission is designed to be played in an evening. We've had a couple that have gone into two evenings. Yeah. Um, but it just works really, really nicely as something to sort of pick up and put down. It's kind of... It's... it's Episodes of a crazy messed up TV show. Kind
1: yeah. Of thing. Unlike something like
0: Mutant or Pathfinder where
1: your characters are kind of constantly travelling and doing stuff, so you're playing that all the time. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. You, your characters will... Right, I've done this mission. Right, well, I'm going to go enjoy some of the money I've made. I'm going to relax.
0: It's it's really good because we had... I think I've had five people who've played it with me. Yeah. But I've only ever had up to four of them at once. Yeah. And it's just the other people aren't available for that mission. Yeah. Because you're not... You don't... You're not like an adventuring group that, you know, you camp camp together. You're in the inn together. You live in each other's pockets. Yeah. You just happen to occasionally work together. Yeah, you're contractors. Yeah. So, in our thing, we've got one character who's the boss... He's the he's the leader. He's a soldier. Yeah, that's his role, which is a bit like the killer. Yeah, but they're really good at planning for murder. They're really good at organising the chaos and the death. Yeah. So they get lots of bonuses um, for planning in advance. They set the agenda. So they're the one that's contacted, and basically in the game, he go he brings round his contacts. Whoever is available gets pulled yep. in. The other characters aren't. They're not there. Yeah, that's fine. And if you, you you know you get halfway through and don't quite finish um, because you've got that legwork stage, you then move into the action phase where you do the the main job. Yeah. Um, if you don't quite finish, well, someone else can turn up anyway. A bit of a plot twist. Yeah. So and so is there. Oh, you asked that guy to hire you um, a hacker. Well, well, it's your it's your hacker. You said you were busy. I was. <laughs> or I just didn't want to work with you last time, but he kind of, you know, shot my mum in the foot and now I have to be it. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, whatever you want to do, you can, yeah, you yeah. can bring them in. So it's it's, it's really nice as uh, something to maybe return to. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. So that was five RPGs to play in between sessions yep. of your main, main campaign. Uh, we talked about The Quiet Year. I really like your description, your cartography RPG. Yeah. Uh, Very loose, very freeform. Yeah. um, And really good. um, I think we've been all about that collaborative side of role-playing. Yes. Especially at the beginning um, of campaigns and and such like. And that that does a really good job of sort of encouraging everyone to sort of chip in and to to build something together. Yeah. Uh, We talked about uh, Fiasco. Which, as i say it, fiasco is all about adding on that improv thing of yeah. yes and what about yeah and it's i think it's encouraged us to loosen up a little bit in yeah. our in our rpgs uh, paranoia just absolute great great fun yeah um, ha, as i said haven't laughed so much playing an rpg as i have playing paranoia uh, goblin quest came a close second yeah and If you prefer fantasy to sci-fi. Yeah, or Um, just want to play a game without a DM. Or, yeah, if you don't want a DM, you can literally open up Goblin Quest, roll some dice, generate a thing and play. Yeah, I'm Um, being silly. Yeah, Uh, Shut Up and Sit Down played it. Mm. No, not too long ago yeah, probably a couple years ago now I yeah. I've heard about it yeah uh, they they played it and they did it's, it's in the book yeah uh, it was a Kickstarter stretch goal they did Sean Bean quest <laughs> where you pl- oh yeah where, where you play a group of Sean Beans trying to achieve a quest uh, and you get bonuses for dying in appropriate <laughs> ways and you've got like sexy Sean Bean yeah. who's like um, Lady Chatley's lover yeah Bean um, you've got military Bean yeah you've got fantasy Bean yeah um, you've got Hired Gun Bean, yes. Evil Bad Guy Bean. And you've got uh, different types of Sean Bean? Yeah, yeah. And you just roll to see what kind of Sean Bean you are each time one dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. you get rewards for putting on the worst northern accent possible yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. shut up and sit down we'll, we'll try and include a link because it's it, it's very very funny yeah um, with their northern accents, because <laughs> I can't do a northern accent no. which is the reason we haven't played that one yet um, <laughs> go away and practice it
1: for everybody yes is.
0: and if you're looking for something to maybe fill up a bit more time I can't recommend the sprawl enough we'll probably do a full podcast on that soon yeah. it
1: um, might be nice actually to do a uh, playthrough.
0: Yes, yeah. I I really like it. I think it's amazing. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm loving the sound of it, I'll
0: be honest, massively loving the sound of it. Yeah. I, I've never seen my players acting like such badasses. Yeah. Because we have like like the killer is um, she has all sorts of cybernetic enhancements. She counts as a gang. <sighs> she counts as you having fifteen people on your side in a fight. Yeah yeah. Because she's scary yep um, and yeah you're, the, the player is, is normally quite sort of meek and mild around the table yeah, yeah. Um, has just been murdering everyone and, and has looked the happiest I've seen them playing roleplay you might have opened up something <laughs> you shouldn't have done with <laughs> I that I may have I may have done um, <laughs> and like the soldier has an ability where they can spend info and gear and stuff to just turn up at the right place yeah because that's their job, yeah, yeah. so yeah, just kind of go, everything's ruined what's going on, and then someone who's not involved in the scene just just flicks a, a poker chip because we've been using poker chips for it, yeah, just flicks a poker chip into the middle of the table and goes, "I burst in through the window all <laughs> guns blazing and it's like, ah and it's just great. you feel it, it's real it's so thematic, yeah I mean it's it's very narrow in its scope because it's so thematic yeah You're, you' if you played it for a year, you'd be you'd be bored. Yeah, but to dip in and out of having yeah. created this world together yeah. is is great, brilliant, cool. So thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please tell people about it because they might enjoy it too. If you want to hear more from us, we do a podcast every week. Yeah, mostly on tabletop gaming of various kinds. Yes, also occasionally the odd bit of sort of indie video games or yeah. games that you can play with your friends. Yeah, we, we're quite good. Good big on, quite good, quite big on <laughs> playing games with our friends. Yeah. What we're about. We, we like
1: the couch co-op
0: side of things. Yes. Or,
1: well, not necessarily co-op, it's couch chaos, but it's yes. fine.
0: Couch chaos. That's We should have a series called Couch Chaos. Yes. Where we murder each other. Yeah. Possibly with furniture. <laughs> um, so we do all sorts of bits and pieces, and we do quite a lot of videos. We've yep. been unboxing a lot of things recently. We have, yeah, because we've been buying things. Yes, and we also review... We also just make sort of random bits and pieces every now and then of whatever yeah. we fancy. So if you if that sounds good, then please subscribe because yes. it makes us feel better. And it also means it's easier for other people to find what we do if you like and subscribe. Yes, please. Which is good. <laughs> so thank you very much. Hopefully we'll see you again. Yeah. He's been Aaron Ravinsky. Yeah. And he's probably been Brian Ennis. That threw you, didn't it? A we never done it that way. Like,
1: uh, uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and hopefully we will see you again. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Oh, come and see us at the UK Games Expo. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're there. Play Be games our friends. With us. <laughs>